Hello, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio now I have, now you there are the Assistant Fire Chief. I had to make sure I double check that with you. Assistant Fire Chief Dan Jager from CCFR. How are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me here. No, it's good to have you on. I know you and I both had a long weekend for different reasons. Yes. <laughs> Although the, the, the root cause is the same. Right. And so obviously that's the first thing we should address was what was a lot of what CCFR was doing during the flood over the weekend? So initially what was happening was uh, dispatch was getting a lot of 911 calls about uh, people reporting, seeing people on back decks and balconies on houses along the riverbanks, um, people being too close to the riverbank. So overall it was uh, concerned citizens telling dispatch, hey, they were concerned about the safety and well-being of their neighbors and and other people. So we were kind of hopscotching between different locations um, and just double-checking and making sure there was no problems. Um, Myself, the fire chief, Rich Etheridge, our paid staff out from Station 3 over by the airport, we were all doing that. Uh, We had volunteers come in and we're staffing apparatus. And we were just, like I said, hopscotching from different uh, places to just double-make sure that... uh, there were no problems. We were helping uh, with suggesting in some areas that they uh, look at considering evacuating their homes um, for the obvious reasons of all the, the riverbank erosion and things like that. And so that was primarily what we were doing. And then after probably about 11 o'clock Saturday night until early yesterday morning, it was just kind of a monitoring status from there. Um, you know, everyone was pretty much in their homes or somewhere else for the night. and. And then just kind of picked up yesterday with kind of seeing what the recovery was going to look like and how much damage there was, which is still an ongoing thing. Right. And I knew there was still that assessment phase going on because I understood that was going to take quite some time to do that assessment. Right. Okay. And so one of my questions now that sort of sprung up because all of this happened is maybe going over some of what CCFR's sort of rescue protocol is for these types of situations, because now I feel it's even more pertinent to have that conversation. Yeah, totally. So the big thing is that um, when it's decided that an area is unsafe for people to be occupying, uh, we'll go along with JPD and other people and we'll start saying, look, you know, you need to seriously consider evacuating your home. Uh, because of a safety concern. Now, legally, we can't force anyone to leave. Um, a lot of people think that we can, and that the police can do that, and we really can't. There's there's some pretty strict rules and, and stuff on that. But what we can do is try to explain to them the information we have that we're getting from um, other experts and and say this is the reason why it's a safety concern, whether it looks like it or not. And you know, we're just asking people to use their best judgment. Don't go near the riverbanks, um, even if it looks safe, because as we know, uh, over the weekend, the erosion was undermining several areas and different bends of the river, and then all of a sudden, large pieces of property were just gone in the water. And we don't want people to have that happen. Uh, trees were falling over in different locations. And, you know, with the the, the condition of the, the riverbanks, the stability is really unknown. And so just if we're asking people to stay back, for the most part, we had pretty good compliance you know there was people following those rules um we helped get people off the back loop uh bridge on the river uh for the same reason it was unknown how safe things were and and so we were just trying to educate people that while it looks safe and it seems safe and we understand the fascination of wanting to see mother nature at work but um when we ask people to to kind of err on the side of caution we, we appreciate that kind of assistance 
Gotcha. And even speaking on that erosion front, I'm sure you've seen, you know, just how significantly far in it cut from where a lot of that bank was previously, you know, people, you would, I know, just looking around through, you know, social media, people like, oh, why would you build right there? Not even factoring in the fact that a lot of those places were not actually on the riverbank. That's how much erosion took place with how much flood water was coming through. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh, my previous job as fire marshal, um, looking at some of these large complexes that were being built and, and looking at some of the subdivisions, there's code written, uh, city ordinance, that says you have to be so many feet away from uh, water banks, you know, rivers, streams, oceans, stuff like that, for that exact reason. Um, the FEMA flood maps, they require that uh, there has to be a certain uh, number of feet away from those kind of sources. For this exact reason, you know, we want to have more than enough buffer. But as we saw over the weekend, even the subdivisions and, and homes that had that, how quickly it went. And nobody really knew, uh, from what I understand, nobody really knew the magnitude of what this event was going to be as it was unfolding. So it was a surprise to a lot of people. Definitely, because from my understanding, when those buildings were reconstructed, they were off of sort of being based off the old record, which was about 12 feet set back in, you know, 2016, whereas this one that we just had was about 15 feet if you round up that extra, like, 0.03 feet, and that's quite a significant bit more in terms of, especially when it comes to water volume. Right. You know, we just had this discussion at the station earlier this morning how, um, yeah, it might only be a couple of feet of extra water, but on the fire side, we look at things for fire flow, for putting out fires in large buildings. If we double the hose size that we are um, for applying water on a fire, we're actually quadrupling the flow by doing that. And so this riverbank is just like that. Think of it as a, a very large hose, you know, in simplest terms. And now we're adding additional flow um not only that but just the dynamics of the river and and as it goes around bends you know the corners actually accelerate the speed and um you have all the erosion stuff and uh just such a, a huge number of variables that you know until it was starting to happen we really had no idea really what to expect and I'm hoping that this doesn't become the new norm, but uh, as all the experts in the field are gathering the data and, and looking at things, um, I imagine we'll have some, some pretty interesting reports to read in the future on it. No, I completely agree with you on that. That'll be interesting to see where it goes moving forward. I had had this conversation uh, both with uh, Kelly and Mike, uh, some of our DJs, and you know, a lot of what we're the point we're at now is going to be we have to assume because suicide basin has had these kinds of floods routinely in the past not to this magnitude of course what are some of the preventative measures that we might be able to to do there to prevent things like this happening to maybe to the extent that it has this time because obviously we couldn't have planned for it being as high as it was but maybe if we do have some sort of preventative measures going forward that can help mitigate things should something like this of this scale happen again oh absolutely okay and now I think another analogy someone had to perfectly describe just how how fast that erosion goes when you have that much water flowing through there. It's it's the old like knife through butter analogy. It just cuts through it. Right. Okay. And so one of my other sort of questions is: Are there any sort of lingering, I would say, concerns that CCFR has now that we're in that assessment phase that you are aware of? Yeah, the biggest concern is still keeping people away from the edges of the riverbanks. Uh, and by what I mean by the, the edges is if you don't have to go anywhere near the water, please don't. 
because we still don't know what effects the river is having. The water is still flowing. Maybe not the the uh, the speed, the flow, and everything as it was over the weekend, but it's still flowing. It's still a dynamic event, um, and we just don't want anyone to take any chances. Uh, the stability of the banks, the trees, all of that stuff. Um, again, it's it's a very fascinating thing to watch. It's unfortunate for those who have lost property, by you know, absolutely. But um, it, it is a it does draw a lot of curiosity, and there's such a large span of property where anyone could be along the bank, and if they fell in, now they're going to be calling for us, and um, so that makes a, a real difficult situation. If it can be avoided, that's what we're asking people to do. Okay, and then I know another thing to be concerned, even if they were to fall in, is all the things that get pulled in there. You know, we were seeing reports of you know fridges, freezers, oil tanks. I mean, we had enough reports of oil tanks that DEC got in touch with us about. You know, here's how you contact them about if there is an oil spill concern. And so, even factoring that in, it's like that's its own level of health risk as well. Right. Absolutely. And so, definitely stay away from the banks. Uh, if you think you are more stable than the trees, you're not. There's a reason you're not moving them yourself, but there's a reason the water did. And so, definitely keep those in mind. Now, we are going to be wrapping up our first half here in just a moment, but I did want to say we are going to talk about proper fire safety concerns. We are going to do that in the next half, but it'll be interesting to continue to see sort of what the assessment CCFR makes as well as the rest of the city as we're now in our post-flood phase. Yeah, it really will. I mean, this was, uh, like I said, a, a very unusual event that we've never seen before, and I'm just hoping it doesn't become the new norm. Well, that is something that we can hope for. Well, we will be back here in a little bit. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And we're back with more Action Line on KNY. Joining me still, I have Assistant Fire Chief Dan Jagger here from CCFR. Now, during the first half, I made sure we talked about the flood. That's obviously the biggest topic here in town, so I want to make sure we hit that. But I do also want to hit one of the other primary tasks that you have, which is really about fire safety. And the reason I'd ask to talk to you about that is obviously we had those really high temperatures for the last couple of days. And so how does that play a role in potential fire risks here in Juneau? You know, that's something that we've been monitoring all summer. Um, while it, it might seem that there's a higher risk because of the, the higher temperatures, the nice thing about Juneau area is at nighttime when the sun goes down, uh, we actually get an increase in the humidity level the relative humidity in the air and that's really the moisture content in the air and that has a huge impact on um, as far as the ability to start fires in, in wildland settings and maintain because the moisture is absorbed through trees and vegetation and if we have that moisture then it's going into that um, that growth and it makes it so it's not as dry it can still burn by by any means it's totally within the realm of possibility but the chances of it lighting and then becoming a rapidly spreading fire really decrease because of that and we've seen that a lot this summer where in the daytime it's really hot really dry but at nighttime the temperatures bring that back up and so by the next day the humidity is dropping but it doesn't get down into the below the 20 percent range is where it gets a real concern for us because then it's super dry and and that's a problem um so it was something we were definitely monitoring all summer okay and that's interesting to note because i know for regions like take fairbanks for example because it gets so hot in fairbanks that's a large part of what causes 
the overarching uh, forest fire risk up there because everything right. gets so dry and then there's no water to, like down here to make it very humid again and so it, all, it doesn't take a whole lot for something to get sparked up there. Yeah, you know, and the other thing I want to mention is that the, the residents this year have been pretty vigilant about making sure they were really careful with their open burns and that's a huge help right there in itself. Uh, following the rules on the burn permits, uh, being mindful of the times and the duration of their burns, how big of a pile they're burning, all of that stuff um, definitely has an impact. So uh, a big shout out to the, those who have done them and, and were successful and, and safe about it. That's exactly what we want to see. And um, so because of that, we really didn't have much of a problem this year. And um, just want to thank everyone for following the rules on that. Gotcha. And now... One other thing I want to circle back to now, because now it's on my mind because of the fire risk, as well as the flooding, there is that risk of, you know, there is a lot of oil and things kind of in some of that water there. And so that could lead to the water catching on fire, which I think sometimes when you say that out loud, people get somewhat confused by it. <laughs> right. So the big thing is that we were talking about the tanks floating around stuff. That's fuel oil. So it's a diesel type. Uh, diesel is, is pretty hard to ignite. So unlike gasoline, which is way more volatile than diesel, um, the fumes and even the liquid itself, it takes an awful lot to light diesel. Um, now, if it's gas, it's a different story. It, uh, it, you know, it just, it's a whole different animal in itself. Um, but the problem with the diesel fuel is the mess and the impact on the environment and wildlife and all that other stuff. Um, so that's, you know, that's something that we're always concerned about as well is if we have a leak from a, either a, a fuel tank in a vehicle to a fuel tank at home, what is the product, what's the quantity, and what direction is it going, especially if it's dealing with waterways. So, Right. And then, trying to think of another good one. I mean, one of the big concerns, I think, that stems from that is obviously, you know, the, like you said, concern for wildlife and potential pollutants, which is why we have DEC on that. And so we have included the number to contact folks for that. But in what ways can pe folks help out in sort of protection and safety there from CCFR's perspective? Well, I think if there's any concern about uh, any kind of fuel leaks or anything, you can definitely call. You know, we, we do get responses for fuel leak things. We'll show up, we'll do an assessment, see what's happening, um, whether it's something we can help with absorbent pads or diverting it to another location for collection. Um, and then we'll also get in touch with DEC and let them know. And then they have further resources to help with whatever the problem might be. We'll look at it and make sure there's no fire hazards, there's no um, any issues like that. So, I mean, we do get those calls too, so. Okay. And now one question that sprang up in my head that I think is quite a good one is maybe walk me through some of what the protocol is for CCFR in getting information out to the public in the situations like the flood that we had over the weekend. Like, what is the process for CCFR being like, okay, here's a release that we get out to the public. Like, okay, we'll wait a couple hours. Here's the next one. Like, how does that process work for you? Well, basically what happens is when we have something that's as significant of an event as that where it's requiring other resources to be involved, other agencies, um, I'm sure you've already covered that they set up the Emergency Operations Center, the EOC over at JPD. That's for providing more resources to gather up and make the process, decision processes for handling a natural disaster event or something. In those situations, we refer to the city's uh, public information officer for releasing information. That way it's funneled down to one source to distribute whatever the information is. So that way it's accurate, it's timely, 
and it's coming from one source. Um, people will probably follow our, our fire department Facebook page for fire incidents and smaller things. Um, that's something that we do because, you know, it draws attention and people want to know what's going on. But anything that gets beyond, like, maybe one structure fire or something or, like, this event over the weekend, we're going to rely on the city public information officer to get in touch with folks like you and other media um, representatives to properly get that information distributed because, one, uh, like I said, the accuracy and the timeliness and the um, reliability of it, but also we're busy out in the field taking care of whatever the situation is too. So um, it allows us that opportunity. No, definitely. I think, and yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that fact that you guys are always out in the field and you're doing that kind of thing because sometimes there can be this disconnect where there's the impression that, oh, we can just call you and immediately get a response when I want one because I'm a news person and thus apparently it works that way. When that's just not often the reality of the situation, oftentimes we'll, we, we will give you guys calls, but we'll have to wait because you guys are on scene and we don't want to distract you guys or pull you guys away from doing the thing that we very much need you to do at right. the time. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that. And we'll, we try to be as timely as we can as soon as we get information that we can release. We'll definitely do that. Okay. That was a, a big one I wanted to hit because sometimes, like I said, there is that disconnect where it's like, why don't we have the information right now? And it's like, well, because it's not there yet. I'm working on getting it and I'll get it when we can. And same thing goes with you guys putting out information. You will put it out when you can. It's all a matter of tackle. the. I think the best way of saying it is, you know, tackle the problem head on first. Deal with the next part after the problem. <laughs> exactly. I was trying to remember a movie quote and I didn't. But I think I still got my point across. <laughs> now, another big thing I want to ask, is there any other big things that you really want to talk about in relation to what happened over the weekend that you think folks need to know about? I, I can't think of anything. Um, you know, again, we just, like any situation we have, big or small, we just appreciate the public's assistance and understanding. Um, I think we saw most of that over the weekend. And, um, you know, just cooperation is big. I mean, they... Sometimes people don't think of something as being a, a danger to them or others, and if we're able to kind of help show them why it is and they follow those directions, that really helps a lot. And so I uh, just want to give a thanks for everyone that was understanding about that. Okay. And is there any other big fire safety things you want to throw in there? Well, you know, we're getting towards fall, and this is the time of year we start talking to people about getting chimney brushes for um, cleaning out their wood stove chimneys making sure their heating units have been serviced and they're operational, uh, getting things cleaned up around the house uh, in general, you know, like yard debris and things like that, doing your final open burns, with, of course, with your permit, um, because it's open burn season ends September 30th. And um, other than that, just kind of getting people in the mode thinking about wintertime and, uh, you know, maybe pull out those studded tires and get them set off to the side for when it's time to switch them over, uh, make sure you got snow shovels and things like that. Uh, also, making sure that you have very visible address numbers, either on your mailbox, on your house, uh, because sometimes the snow gets pretty deep. And, you know, that's a, a challenge we have is trying to find where we're supposed to go and, and, and where people are at for some of their emergencies. So, Gotcha. As someone who lives uh, on a hill slope, I will keep that in mind most assuredly. But, you know, Dan, I'd like to thank you for coming in again. I know this wasn't or a lot of the questions I had originally planned to ask you, but things change. She, you, you should know that as well as anybody, that things will rapidly change. And then you just have to adapt for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be on the show and just appreciate everyone 
uh, tuning in and asking questions. Uh, questions are always good. You know, it's it's not a problem, and having us have the ability to explain the why is always critical, in my opinion. No, definitely. And then if anyone does have any more questions for uh, CCFR, where would you direct them? Well, I think the easiest would be you could call uh, our main office line, uh, 586-5322. There's a phone tree if there's anyone in particular you want to talk to. Uh, we have a uh, Facebook page that people can send messages on. You can look up any of us uh, employees, staff, uh, and the admin side online and send us emails or just stop in the station and talk to us in person. We're more than happy to answer any questions that people have. Alrighty. Well, Assistant Fire Chief, I made sure not to read your name tag and it still says Fire Marshal on it. (laughs) (laughs) Assistant Fire Chief Dan Jagger, everybody for you. Thank you for coming on and taking the time to chat with me today. Absolutely. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.